are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. to be at Central Baptist, and I want to thank, thank Pastor uh, Jeremy and Crystal for having us and opening their doors uh, to us. It is, a, it is an honor to be here tonight and honored to be in this church, and um, exciting to be back uh, after a summer. Um, I don't know where the summer took you, whether it was camping or the mountains or, or beaches somewhere, but we are back into the fall flow, and um, and there is, uh, there's something about the fall, you know, we're, we're in it, and uh, everything's ramping up, and there's, I know there's just so many announcements and everything going on, but uh, if you were uh, at our July resurgence, I shared a word about the river is rising, and all about how uh, there's a river that's rising, and it was a word that God really gave, and I encourage you, if you haven't heard that word, check out our podcast, uh, go there. That, there's something very significant, and all summer, that, that actually word has still been on my heart. People have come up and said, hey, the river's rising, and I'm like, I know, I preached on it, and, um, but I, I just encourage you, check that out. I believe God's really doing something. The river is rising. There's a presence of God that is coming, and what, what is unique about resurgence is we're gathering churches from across the city, and we're believing that the water level will rise in all these churches. In every church that's represented, we're believing that the spirit, the river, will rise in every church. And so we are in our ninth year. We're going to celebrate nine years in October, nine years of gathering and contending for a rising again. And um, yeah, you can clap for that if you want to. But, but we're clapping because we're in it together. We're in it together, and I, I believe it's a significant tipping point, and I, um, the thought that I have is anything will happen. Anything can happen, that, that there's faith is rising, and I believe that, that whatever is going on, whatever we need, whatever addiction needs to be broken, whatever healing needs to happen, whatever breakthrough, anything can happen because faith is rising, and um, I, I know this summer I, uh, I, um, I did some camping, it was only one weekend of camping. Don't judge me. Um, Erica, don't judge me. Um, I did one weekend of camping. But I was recently thinking about a camping trip that I, that I went on with my dad and my brother when I was about 11 years old. And we, we loaded up the F-250 camper special. We had the camper on top. We had the, um, the, the camper there. We put the camper on top. And then on top of the camper, we put... Uh, a 12-foot aluminum boat. And, and we put this 12-foot aluminum boat, we drove out to Beaver Lake. Anyone know where Beaver Lake is? Okay, we drove out to Beaver Lake. We camped, we set up, we, we set up, you know, the campsite. And then we decided we're going to go fishing. So we got the boat out. We had a four-horsepower motor. Uh, if you want to know how fast a four-horsepower motor is, go home, turn on your blender, Turn it on to low, and that's about the speed. I mean, it takes forever to get anywhere. And, and so, um, so we, have, we have that going on. We, you know, we get in the water. We go all the way across to the store. Where are they catching fish? And the guy said, they're catching fish over there, but they're using this exact hook. So, of course, we bought that exact hook because, you know... That's what you do. And so you, you get in there. We drive past the island. It said Beaver Lake. We drove around it back to the far, far, far side. And we got to the far side, and um, we're there, and all of a sudden the fish start catching. And it was my dad, my brother, and I. There was three seats. And, I mean, we're catching fish. And out of nowhere, we never saw this going on, but the wind started to pick up. And all of a sudden that boat, that boat started to rock. And... Um, and the boat started to move, and, and all of a sudden we looked in the sky, and there was a storm. And, and in minutes, we were in the middle of a lake in a lightning storm. Not, not a good place to be. And um, so we, like, we turned on that four-horsepower motor, and we just, we, just, we just start booking it to shore. It was probably about an hour and a half to get there. 
So we're in the middle of a lake, and all of a sudden this big boat comes by, and we're like the Savior, you know? They're going to rescue us. So we're like, hey, hey, stop. They did not stop. They were gone. And their waves came and crashed into our boat. And, and I, I remember being in that boat, and my dad, my brother, and I, we, we began to pray. <laughs> because I, you know what to do. We're like trying to get there, and all of a sudden the lightning got intense. And so we're like, okay, you either stay on the lake probably not good being in an aluminum boat on the middle of a lake, um, or you go and sit under a tree. But which tree do you pick? And so we picked not the tallest tree, and we went there, and I remember being with our like, life, jacks, life jackets over our head, and the rain is coming down, and we're there, and, we're, and it's raining. There was about six to seven inches of water in the boat when we went back to our boat. And I remember we got back in our boat, and we started driving back, and then we ran out of gas. So... That was my experience of being on a lake in a storm. And, and I was thinking, you know, I, I'm an optimist. I like that, you know, the cup isn't empty, but it's half full. The sky is blue. So the sun will always rise after a dark night. I love seeing life that way. But there's something I can't argue. No matter how many sunny days there are, we will have storms. Actually, in Edmonton, the average storm that we'll have is 18.8 thunderstorms a year on average. And that doesn't include snowstorms. Shouldn't have mentioned that word, but that doesn't include that. So I can think of those snowstorms. And here's the thing. In life, we face storms. In life, we face storms. That's inevitable. Just this week alone, I talked to one person who was waiting for a loved one's test results, and they were at the hospital, and they were waiting for the results because they had to go in because uh, of an emergency. I talked to another friend who said the world just seems so gray. I talked to another one suffering from the world of anxiety because of the lack of relationship in their life. Another one facing challenges being in a relationship. I, I talked to another one in the midst of separation uh, from their marriage. I, I talked to someone else in pain waiting for surgery and on and on and on. See, it's a season right now of shaking. It's a season of change. The word anxiety is everywhere. And I've heard that word everywhere. I mean, it's the, the earth is literally shaking right now. There's more earthquakes happening in the last month in different places all over. There's winds blowing. There's hurricanes happening. Um, see, storms are inevitable. And Jesus said that, that in this world you'll have trouble. There's a swirl. There's a swirl. You know, there's a swirl of stuff going on. But what do we do in life in the swirl of stuff going on we call storms? How do we handle that? And I believe that, you know, tonight God wants to do a deep work in our hearts. I really believe that as I prayed and wrestled over this word. Um, I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Um, but I want to give you the context for this. Jesus is teaching about faith. And he's talking about the smallest seeds planted can actually um, have the largest, the, the greatest plant. And so he teaches all this, and then the Bible says that that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Everybody say cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So in this story, it's evening. It's dark. Okay, when I was on the boat, it wasn't evening. It was the middle of day. I can't imagine being at night in darkness on a boat where there's a storm. You can't see. And... Um, you know, they're on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, and what they want to do is they just want to cross to the other side. 
And they get into a boat, and the boat was probably similar to my aluminum 12-foot boat, yet it was wood. And it was probably 12 to 15 feet, they say. Um, the sides are probably about three feet high. And so this boat, um, when, when it got into this storm, and they say the storms would come into the Sea of Galilee off the nearby mountain, and it would actually, they, they figured the storm was about gale force winds. So we're talking 60 kilometer an hour winds whipping across the water, creating uh, waves that were probably four to five feet swells. So you have this boat, going through these swells and water crashing over the, the hull, over the, the, the boat, over the walls of the boat. And it's rocking up and down. And um, the water's coming on board. There's water everywhere. Waves are coming over. And Jesus is in the boat. Good news. Jesus is in the boat. But he's sleeping. <laughs> Sound asleep on a cushion. Uh, I think back to camping this summer. I, I went camping and a friend says, oh, I'll, I'll lend you an air mattress. And um, I set up the instant air mattress. The minute I set it up, I heard <laughs> And my friend goes, that's not a good sound. I said, no, no, that's not a good sound. I tried to tighten it more. didn't help. Uh, so I slept on rocks. <laughs> camping is wonderful, isn't it? But this cushion that Jesus had, I bet it was maybe better than that. And in the middle of this swirl of the storm threatening to drown the boat, Jesus can sleep in complete peace on a cushion. And the disciples, they're tough guys. They're trained fishermen. They, they've, they've done this their whole lives. They know the sea and all of this. They wake Jesus and they say, Jesus, do you even care? We're going down. We're going to drown. I think they're pretty, um, I, I think partly they're probably resentful, going, hey, we're bailing water, and we're working as hard as we can. We're, we're just, we're trying to get the water out of the boat, and you're sleeping. <laughs> Do something, you know? I, I bet that was part of it. The other friend, they were probably afraid they were going to drown. And you, you know that it was bad when this was happening, because they're fishermen. This is their life. And then the funny thing is, is that the Savior of the world is sleeping in their boat. And they're like, Jesus, don't you care? We're dying, Jesus. Well, it's the very reason that Jesus is on the earth. Like, it's, hey, don't you care, Jesus? We're dying. Well, that's why I'm here, you know? That's why I'm on this earth. But they don't really get all that at this point. And the story goes that he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said, quiet, be still, as we read. And there was an instant peace. See, Jesus spoke from a place of rest, from a place of peace on that cushion. <laughs> he was able to actually release his peace. And then he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I, I sense a bit of sarcasm in that. Do you still have no faith? It's like, ouch, easy. I think I have a little faith, you know. And, and then if they were afraid, now they're terrified. Because his voice speaks and the wind and waves stop. And there's something profound that Jesus is teaching in that story. And I believe he wants us to know tonight. Is that here's this tension. See, the swirls and storms of life are all around us. And the fact is they're going to rock our boats. Um, water will come in. Yet in the middle of that swirl, how do we rest on the cushion? How do, we, how do we have a life of rest? See, Jesus came from a world of no storms. He, he, in heaven, there isn't storms. And um, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that. He knows what it means to abide in the Father. And the reason he asked them where their faith is, because I believe he was wanting to teach them something. He was wanting to, them to realize that God wants to work through them, not just rescue them, not just do things for them, but work through them, that co-laboring. See, Jesus was in their boat, and he is in our boat. He is with us, but, but he actually wants to co-labor with us in the storms that we face. And see, Jesus had perfect peace on the inside. And it was a peace that passed all logic, all understanding. It didn't make sense. So he could snore in the middle of a storm. Why? Because he knew who he was, whose he was, and, and he knew what he was there to accomplish. And he knew that that boat going down wasn't gonna, is not what he came to accomplish. So he was going to live. He knew that. He knew there's no way he's going down. 
He knew his purpose. He knew his destiny. See, if we um, don't look after, see, the greatest storms um, that affect us are not the ones on the outside, but the ones inside. See, it's the waves within, the waves of negative emotion, insecurity. See, the real swirl is not the outside storms or in the outhouse, but inside, in the in-house. <laughs> that, that's, that's where it is, where there's peace. Where is the peace inside? See, when there's peace inside, we can actually ride the waves on the outside. And um, the storm took the peace Jesus gave from the inside, and it was calm instantly because he had that peace to give. See, we have authority over the storms that we're able to sleep in. We have an authority. See, if we don't look after the swirls on the inside of our heart, I believe the swirls on the outside will rock us every time. They will send us to a loop, and every day there are swirls. Every day there's stuff happening. There's junk happening all around us. And if we don't have that figured out on the inside, then it's going to hammer our boat every time. And we're going to be living reactive. We're going to be living trying to just catch up, just trying to get the water out of the boat. Just trying to get the water out of the boat. See, but there's a cushion available to each one of us. There's a cushion. See, the cushion of peace, of hope, of love, of acceptance, of identity, of security, of belonging, of joy, of rest in him. There's that cushion. See, we, we're going to pray tonight um, in a few minutes for storms that are rocking our lives. And I believe that there is faith in the room that anything can happen. I believe that calm and peace will come over those storms. Whatever breakthrough, whatever thing you need, if it's healing, it's stuff going on, we're going to believe it because anything is possible in this place. We've seen it time and time again. God is ready to move. There is faith in this place. There's faith here, and we're going to believe for that. But more than just that, I believe that we, we need to learn something deeper because resurgence only happens once a month. Our local churches are only once a week. So from, for the seven days that we're not in a service, how are we responding to it? See, we can pray together because Jesus is here tonight and all that, but how are we walking out every day when no storms come? And if we don't know and learn from this how to have that peace on the inside, then those storms all week long are going to ravage our lives. And I sense more than ever, everyone I talk to are being ravaged by different storms. Small, big, but they're, they're there. See, how do we live a life of peace on those daily things? See, um, I believe it's a, a deeper work of the heart that he wants to do tonight. And uh, Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. See, do you know that the heart is extremely powerful? I mean, in the natural, do you know that a heart, and I had to Google this because I didn't believe it because I heard it somewhere, but uh, the heart actually can move a pickup truck 20 miles a day with the energy it exerts every day. Our human heart. I, I Googled it. It's right. <laughs> but... Our heart also has an electromagnetic field around it. This is just a real. In real life, there's an electromagnetic field because of the energy off our heart. So, so you can actually, you know, we say, oh, well, can you, like, pick up? See, I believe that, you know, when, when someone's heart is not right, if, if I'm insecure and there's lies on me and there's sin and junk and stuff on my heart and I walk around, people can feel that. People can sense that. See, 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 we have to, see, they, they say this, hurt people hurt people. It's true. When you have a hurt heart, you hurt others. And God wants our hearts to be so healed. See, God is not a, a judge that's accusing us and saying, oh, you screwed up in this. But he, he's a loving brother that's here tonight, and he goes, oh, I want to heal your heart. I want to heal your heart. See, what is some of the swirl that happens inside of us? I think one of the big things is fear. And the disciples, they, they had fear. I mean, they had fear they were going to drown. They see the wind. They see the water. They're actually getting wet. So it's real. It's happening right now. We're in this boat, and it might be going down in the middle of darkness. But inside of them, I wonder the deep fears that were going on. I wonder the fears of 
failure, fears of insignificance, the fear of not measuring up. I wonder if those fishermen were, were struggling with fear of not being a man, of not being strong enough. That insecurity, well, I'm not able to get through this storm. See, God's narrative never has fear. See, I have found this, the storm is not supposed to have a place of influence in our lives. And the disciples react in fear when Jesus was resting. He was resting. And, and they're like, oh, we're, you know, we're feeling it, and it's fear, and it's all of that. And, and I found this, um, if you're making a big decision in your life, God's narrative never has fear. If you feel feared into something, oh, I got to do it, and it's rushed into something, take a minute and stop and go, God, is that really you speaking or is that fear speaking? Because God doesn't, God doesn't get you to obey him by fearing you into it. He loves you. He loves us. He doesn't fear us. And so, you know, he doesn't fear us into things. Lies. What, what lies do we believe about our identity? What lies have we agreed with and empowered the liar in our life? Where we've said, oh yeah, that must be true. And it's a lie. And we've said, yeah, that is true. Lies about our past. Lies about our future. Lies. Shame. Shame. See, where guilt is, I did something wrong. Shame is, I am something wrong. Something is wrong with me. And as I, as I prayed and I prepared for tonight, I felt so strongly that God wants to break shame. I saw shame over and over for the last five days. I've been just praying and it's, it's all came back to shame. And I believe that God wants to break shame in this place. And, and I saw this picture of um, uh, coats. And they, they, they weren't North Face or they weren't Patagonia or Arteryx. But they were these coats of shame. And when Jesus called Bartimaeus, he said, come and what, what do you want? And he healed Bartimaeus, the blind guy. Bartimaeus, the story says, Bartimaeus threw off his cloak and came to Jesus. And I really sense that when we go through storms of life, one of the first triggers that comes up a lot of times if there's hurt in our hearts is shame stuff. For me, uh, it looks like a tape that plays in my mind, a tape of shame. And about four months ago, I went through a hard, uh, a couple nights that were just really hard, and some stuff happened just personally, and, just, and you're just like, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? I went to bed, and I woke up at three in the morning, and this tape was playing in my mind. And it was a tape of, oh, you're a terrible leader. You're this, you're that. This will never happen. Like, it was nonstop. And some of you will know this because this happens to you, but it was just lie after lie after lie, and it kept playing. And I went back to bed, and then I woke up, and it kept going, and it kept going. It's like this thing won't stop. I'm like, and, and you know what? At the beginning, to be honest, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, good point, good point. I do suck, you know? And, and you, start to, you start to agree with it. You start, to, you start to agree with it. And I start to agree with the lies until after a while I'm like, okay, hey, this won't stop. What is this? Why is this all this junk coming? And I actually had to call a couple friends and say, you need to pray and I want to break this off. Because there's this tape that's playing, and it's just shame stuff. And it's not who I am. It's not who I'm called to be. It's not my purpose. It's not what my father says about me. But it's what someone else is saying about me, and I'm not cool with that. See, but that happens, and, and I feel that we need to recognize the root of it. And I had to go, what, why, why did that hurt bother me? What was the root of that shame? And I had to go and speak God's truth, get into the Word, and go, God, what do you say about me? And it was very different than what the lie was saying about me. And I broke its power. And see, we, we need to do that. And I felt like um, sometimes, you know, we have this constant tape playing. And I felt like there's some here tonight where the tape is playing. And it's been playing so long that you don't even know where the stop button is. That, that it's become, it's not just a coat that's on. But it's, it's, it's become like, oh, I'm actually wearing a coat. I didn't even know I was wearing a coat. It's just me. And I feel like God wants us to rid those coats tonight and get rid of them. Because that's shame. That's not who you're called to be. That's not who you are. That's not what he says about you. See, our heart is not bad. He paid an incredible price already for us to see this heart be clean and be whole and be wholehearted. And so if you feel like, yo, I'm, I'm a loser, I'm bad, well, God wants to break that lie and see health come to your heart because there's goodness, because he's a really, really good father. 
and he wants to see us restored. See, some of the roots of shame are linked to appearance, body image, fear, um, afraid people will think we're weak. All of that is, is connected to some shame. See, vulnerability is the way out of that shame swirl. That's how we get out of that, is vulnerability is admitting and confessing and repenting and saying, God, what do you say about me? See, there are people here struggling with deep, dark stuff, and I felt it, and everyone thinks you're great on the outside. You're maybe even a leader. You're maybe doing all this stuff on the outside, but you're fighting that insecurity on the inside, and tonight, God wants to set you free from that. He doesn't want that hurt to influence your life anymore. Freedom is here. See, Jesus is not an angry judge, as I said. He's a loving brother. He wants us to know his heart. He's not the accuser. The liar's the accuser. God is love, and he's here. There's forgiveness. There's grace. Because you made mistakes, you don't have to settle for a life that's secondary, a dream that's secondary, a dream that wasn't the full picture of the dream. Oh, I made mistakes, so I can never do that. That's a lie. You're not disqualified. You haven't missed it. There still is hope. Jesus can completely forgive you and set you on that path. Tonight, shame will be broken. I believe that. See, this all leads and fuels the swirl of anxiety. Anxiety. It's a word that is around everywhere now. People are taking pills for anxiety. There's, it affects our stomachs. It affects our bodies. It affects everything. It affects our health. Anxiety. But the center of the word anxiety, A-N-X. I-E-T-Y. I can spell, I can spell, I think. I didn't have spell check, you know? I'm so used to just Anxiety. The center of that word has an I in it. And it's actually the center to anxiety. It's about I. It's, it's about I. It's, it's about putting us on the throne. It's about taking things into our own hands. It's about us trying to carry a weight that we weren't meant to carry. We're, we're trying to figure it out, and so we worry, and we're anxious, and we're, we're trying to figure it out because we have to make it happen. Its, it's center is rooted in pride. It's about us. We have anxiety, and we're anxious because we're at the center of the situation. Not God when he should be. We take things into our own hands when we need to actually surrender it to him. See, God calls us, not man. And God even tonight wants to break off fear of man and fear of what people think off us. Some in this place, you need to hear that tonight. God has, has, has calling you in the ministry, and yet you're looking at man to call you. You're, yet you're looking at man to release you. If it's God, he will open the right doors. He will make it happen. Break that anxiety off. Break that pressure off yourself. Relationships, he will, he will make that happen. You don't have to try. There, there's, a, there's a break of that anxiety because in anxiety, nothing grows. You can't grow stuff in anxiety. It's just stress. Nothing can develop in that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. See, anxiety puts the first place us instead of him. And we're supposed to seek him first. See, anxious about the dream not happening. I've been there. About the promise that I have, the prophetic word even. But I get anxious. God, how do I get it happen? How do I make this happen? I need to do it. I need to figure it out. I need to da, 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 da. And he's like, son, chill out. I called you. I gave you the dream. I gave you the purpose. I gave you the thing. I'll be faithful to watch over my word to see it happen. See, he wants to move in our heart before he wants to move on the outside. And when he moves in our heart, when he does the things he wants to do in our heart, the other season will come. But know the season you're in. You're in the season right now that God wants to deal with the heart things. He wants to deal with the character things, the integrity things, the, 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 that we have, uh, know where our heart is. Our heart is good. And then he can do some incredible things through us when we can handle it. See, shame, fear, lies, and sin are fueling our anxiety, and it's impacting our health. God wants us free from that. Um, how, how do we see this peace come into the swirl in our hearts? I, I think number one is repentance. It's repentance. 
Repentance, it's, it's seeing re- reality with God's view and his lens. And I believe, you know, we talk about a resurgence. We talk about a rising again. We talk about revival. Uh, true revival happens when there's a wave of repentance. When there's a people that say, God, I need to get right with you. I'm not right. I may look right on the outside. Everybody may think I'm right. But deep in my heart, there are things that you're dealing with. And I need to say yes. I need to, I need to surrender those things. You know, Zacchaeus, he was, he was uh, trying to see Jesus, climbed up a tree, saw Jesus, and Jesus picked him. He was the chief tax collector. He was like the chief of all chief sinners. He was like, everybody else wanted Jesus at their house. He, he didn't ask Jesus to come to his house, but Jesus picked him because Jesus knew exactly. And it doesn't say that Jesus preached a powerful sermon to him on the way to Zacchaeus' house, but right there, Zacchaeus repented. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive. I'm going to give back to all the people I took for time. I'm going to do all this thing, Jesus. I'm going to change my heart. The change of heart happened on the road to his house. Why? Because Jesus just saw him and knew exactly what Zacchaeus needed and, and honored him by spending time with him. See, God wants us to, to change. He wants something to shift in our heart. See, it's our job to give our heart to him. And he does the rest. To stop sinning. And confess our sins, and he'll heal us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, they'll turn and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. See, we, we need to repent. We need to repent if there's anything that's not right in our hearts. God, is there anything that's not right? I need to turn to you. And turn away from everything else. Number two is to know our identity. Jesus knew who he was, whose he was. And, you know, Jesus, it says, is at the right hand of the Father. But Ephesians 2.6 says that we sit in heavenly places. Uh, We sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we don't have to try to be seated. We don't have to pray to be seated. We don't have to try to make it or struggle or fight for it. We're already seated. We're already there. So we we're, operate from a place of victory, not a place of trying to get there. We operate from a place of success, from, from we win already. So it's like we can operate in that. See, he bought us with a price. Jesus, this is our value. See, the liar says you have no value. He says unless you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you have no value. Unless you have a mother or father, you have no value. Unless you, you know, if you've been abused, you'll never be able to serve Jesus. He lies to us and tells us that you're not good enough and there's guilt and and brokenness and you're a mistake. And he tells us there's no hope and he tells us that we'll never see our dreams come and he tells us all these things that we'll never have joy. But the enemy can't stop us. He's just lying. He's just lying. See, the enemy says that you have to earn God's love. That's a lie. The enemy says that you have to, um, you can never be used by God. That's a lie too. And the enemy says that you're too broken to ever be used, to be whole. And that's a lie. God wants us to be used. He he wants us to be wholehearted. And the last thing I I felt as I prayed is, is the word um, is freedom. We talk about freedom a lot. And when we're growing up as children, um, we, we spend our whole lives working towards freedom. I mean, a baby grows up, has diapers, but is working towards not having diapers. And all the parents said amen to that. But there's this constant move towards freedom. And, you know, you know parents used to maybe cut up our food for us, and hopefully they don't do that anymore, not pointing any uh, one out. Um, we, we, we used to go to bed at certain times. And then those times got a bit later, a bit later as we got older. And then there was probably a time when we were tucking our parents into bed. And we were staying up later than our parents. And then there was a time that we wanted our license, so we got our learners. And, and then, you know, we got the next, the next level, we got, we got the license. And then we got the car, and we had to be home at 10. And then... 11 was okay, and then a little longer, and then we actually had our own car. See, our whole young adult lives, the move towards being a young adult is the move towards being an adult, being free. 
And um, then, you know, we get our own place and our own independence. And then we come to services and we hear teaching on where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's great. And we believe in freedom. We believe uh, we don't like boxes. We don't like rules. We don't like um, people telling us what to do. I'm free. You know, it's great. And we aim our whole lives to be free. Free from ropes. Free from things tethering us back. And I can do what I want because no one is looking. I can go on my computer or my smartphone and look at whatever I want. I can go as far as I want with the boyfriend, girlfriend situations. That can happen. Uh, no one is seeing. No one is checking. We are free. We are free to do whatever we want. We can think thoughts, whatever we want. We can, we can do whatever. There's freedom. But what, what does it mean um, to actually choose to tether ourselves. And, and I'm fascinated by this word tether. See, it's a choice. But I think there's a point where freedom looks like actually putting boundaries. Actually attaching ourselves to something. And, and what does it mean to tether our hearts and our minds to him? The word, the word tether, you know, it's, it's, um, it confines movement. It, it's, that's the definition. It's defined as a rope or a chain or a leash, like a leash on a surfboard that would make sure that the surfboard stays to you when you wipe out, things like that. When I think of the word tether, I think of the game um, tetherball. And I grew up at a camp, Moose Lake Pentecostal camp, where Jesus is Lord. And, um, <laughs> and at this camp... It's more rustic. It's more rustic. And they have this pole. Get this. They have this pole. And they have a string attached to the pole and a ball hanging off the string. I don't know who invented it. If you're here and you invented this game, I apologize in advance. But it is the worst game sport ever invented. Ever. So there's this ball, like a volleyball, on the end of it. Does anyone know what I mean? And there's a pole. Yeah, you know. And so what you try to do is you have two people and you try to like swing this ball and it goes to the top and then you win. Or it goes and the other person hits it and it goes the other way and you win. But if you're short and the other person's tall, game over. You've lost. Like there's no way. I mean the only fun part of this game is you just hope your buddy is there and he looks the other direction or he sees someone you know and you swing that ball as hard as you can and it whips around, held by the tether, and hits him right in the face. That's the best part of this game until it happens to you. But tether confines our movement. When I think of the word tether, I think of uh, Marcus Mumford of Mumford and Sons. He wrote these lyrics. He says, I will wait, I will wait for you. Now I'll be bold as well as strong and use my head alongside my heart. So tame my flesh and fix my eyes, a tethered mind freed from the lies, and I'll kneel down, wait for now. See, what does it mean to have a tethered mind freed from the lies? Um, Paul says it this way in Corinthians 10.23, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. See, we can do anything. We we're free, but is it beneficial? See, there's a moment um, this summer when I was, uh, we were at the island with a bunch of guys and we went wake surfing. And uh, I, I've done it a few times, but I've always got to the point where when you're wake surfing, you, you start with a rope, you're behind a boat, there's a big wake, and you try to surf the wave. But there's a point where the rope becomes slack, and the goal is to actually not have a rope. And so you're behind the boat being pulled, and you don't have a rope, and you're just surfing the wave. That's, that's what you want to get to. And so I spent a few times, I've done this before, but I was this summer trying to get to the point where I was very comfortable without a rope. So you start with the rope, and there was a moment where I needed the rope, and then I was good, the rope's good, and all of a sudden the rope became slack, and I was like, okay, I don't need this rope anymore. And then, oh, I need the rope. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, but there was this back and forth, and with the boys, and, and the music's playing, Desposito is being cranked out, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to surf, 
to Biebs here, and I'm trying to concentrate. And But there was a moment where the rope was slack, but I still had the rope. And, and I think of that moment. I think I didn't need the rope. The rope wasn't holding me. I was surfing on my own, but that, that rope was still there. And, and another definition of tether is actually when we hook up our smartphone to our computer. See, whatever information from the internet is on our smartphone will actually make our computer work. And if our computer's in the right area, we can tether and it'll work and it'll get the same information. And see, I wonder what it looks like if, if we tether our minds and our hearts to the Father. See, what does that look like to have accountability structures in our life? What does it look like? I think it looks like getting counseling where we need counseling. I think it looks like creating healthy boundaries, whether that's in relationships of friends, but relationships with the opposite sex. What does that look like to, to avoid temptation and say, no, actually, I'm going to set up a, a time limit. No, all these things. I have an accountability structure. What does that look like? What, what are the priorities in, 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 in reading the Word? How do we set up a structure so that we're actually in the Word, we're reading the Word, we're spending time with the Lord, like Dean talked about? See, it's serving. Where, where are our roots? We're free to do anything, but at some point we actually have to say, you know what? I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to put my roots deep. See, if we want to be people that navigate the storms and swirls of life, we need to make priorities, choices, to tether our hearts and our minds uh, Laura, if you could just come and play wherever you are. Yeah, there. And um, tonight, I just want to ask you, how, how's your heart? How's your heart? He wants to completely heal our hearts. He wants to see us free from sin, shame, guilt, fear, all that stuff. But, but I believe it's a turning point. See, it's a moment of repentance. We want to see God move in our lives, in our churches, city, and all this stuff. We want revival. We've been gathering. We've been doing this. But the reality is, it's all about our heart. And there's a cushion in the swirl that's available to us. That when we, when we know that our hearts are good with the Lord, then we can rest in Him. And there's not that, ah, going on inside, but there's that peace that passes all understanding. John 16, says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus already spoke that. He knew what you'd be going through today. He knew that, and he spoke that. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. See, here's the thing. Our best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. God's dream, God's plan, God's purpose for every single one in this room is greater than you can imagine. It's bigger. It's larger. And, and we need to get a glimpse of that because you know what? Jesus was in that boat and he knew he was on this earth for an assignment. He knew that his boat was not going down that day. And you may be on a plane in turbulence, but if you know your assignment, if you know your purpose, if you know your destiny, there's no way that plane's going down because I know what I'm going to do and it's going to be fulfilled. So Jesus is going to get me through. See, there's something, there's a cushion that develops in our lives in the swirl when we repent and we say, God, if there's anything on our hearts, if there's any shame, if there's any guilt, if there's any of that, take it. See, the love of God saw Peter a reed and called him a rock. I love what Bill Johnson, he said, the pleasure of the Lord never ignores sin, but delights in the potential. If there's sin in your life tonight, God wants you to get right with him. God wants you to repent of it. If there's things, lies, all that stuff, God, God wants to deal with that tonight. I just want us all close our eyes. And just put your hands in front of you. We're just going to do something corporately tonight. I, I, I've never done this before like this, but I, I really felt the Lord just wants to do a deep work in our hearts tonight, in every single one of us. And so I just, I invite you, good Father, to just come into the room. 
I invite you to just come into every person tonight. I invite your love in this place in a greater way. I just invite your presence. I invite, God, that right now you'd reveal to each person that you're such a good father and that you love every one of us. God, I, I thank you that you'd reveal right now the value that we have in Christ Jesus. The value, the blood that was shed for each one of us. So right now, God, I ask that you would just start to reveal that value and your goodness over every person. And now, I want you to, just with your eyes closed and I just want you to ask the Lord in your heart. God, is there, is there any lies that I'm believing? Is there any lies that I'm believing? Is there any shame that I'm believing? Is there any coats that I'm wearing that aren't mine to wear? Is there any guilt that I'm carrying around? Just your eyes closed. Just start to ask the Lord that. I felt as I, I prayed, uh, there's some with eating disorders, body image, all that related shame. God wants to set you free tonight. I saw the not being strong, not being good enough, messing up too many times, not looking good enough. No one will ever want to be with you. You're not smart enough. You're not spiritual enough. Lie. I see that Jesus wants to rip that down. The whole idea that you're a failure. That's not true. So just ask, is there, God, is there anything? Just ask Him. Is there anything that you're revealing? He's a good Father and He's here. Yeah, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, the presence of the Lord is just in this place. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, he's just coming. He's revealing. And he's, he's not, it's not an, an judging. It's, it's a loving. It's a loving to see you free. He's a just God, but he's loving us to see freedom come from the swirls inside us. Saw self-hatred, guilt. Yeah. In that spot, just stay there. Yeah. There's, there's things where maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's things that were done to them or you've done something, something to someone else and you think that God could never forgive you. He could never set you free. It's too big. God is saying it's not too big. I see that tonight. I see that. Whether it's abuse, whether it's bigger than that, whether it's something so big, God sees that exactly. And he says it's not too big for my love. revealing some more things, whatever, whatever that looks like, just start to just, just ask him, God, is there more? Is there more things that you're showing me? So we're going to pray right now. And I just 
I want you to ask this question in your heart and say, God, what truth do you want me to know tonight? Just say, God, what truth are you? You showed me the stuff. Now, what truth? What truth do you want me to know? And right now, God's going to start putting things in your heart. There's going to be truth. He's going to start speaking words over you. And there's freedom that's going to come right there. This is a moment that is going to change things. I believe it so firmly. So just ask him, go, God, what is it? Maybe you're like, oh, I'm kind of checking out. Listen, just go there. God, what do you say over me? What's the truth that I need to believe? Because he's breaking that shame tape. He's breaking that coat. He's breaking that. What's the truth that you're saying over us, God? Just stay in this posture, and, and, and Laurier is just going to share some stuff about, about that, that that God's put on his heart. But just keep your eyes closed and just start to just, just go there. Yeah, good evening, guys. Um, as I was praying for you, I was praying for Travis, and he was speaking, and I was kind of trying to listen to what the Lord was saying when we were singing and praying. And all I could hear is over and over, just tell them, tell them. You know, tell them the truth. And this is going to sound like really corny, but like hopefully I'm old enough that you'll just take that. You know, when I'm looking at you guys, I'm not seeing faces and I'm not seeing you. What I'm seeing is like diamonds and sapphires and amethysts. I really love amethysts. <laughs> and I'm seeing pearls that are a great price and I'm seeing just incredible beauty and amazing grace and strength and I'm hearing words like you know what like I'm hearing that quite over there is a prophet you know that there's a healer over there there's a teacher a preacher and I had an overwhelming sense as I was praying and I just have to say this that there are people here who will see injustice and they will say no that stops now. See, there are people of courage in this room. You have more courage than you believe you have. You have more worth than you believe you have. You are people with a call. I so need to affirm the word that that young man said about this generation. Because I work with young people longer than, I, I don't even tell people how long, I forget how long it is, but for a long time people were telling me this generation is a lost generation. And it made me weep. Because I almost began to believe it. And then I said, Father, you've got to tell me the truth because I can't live with this. And he said, no, this is not a lost generation. This is a generation that's lost its way, but you know what's going to happen. This generation, that's you. The faces I'm seeing before me, the person who might think they're not worth it. The very one, the very place you feel most deeply attacked is that place where the Lord will raise you up into strength. Because he told me that this generation is the one that will begin to run to him. Your generation, you guys, you guys that are sitting here and your peers, you're the ones who will bring your brothers and sisters to Christ. You will bring your parents to Christ. And I believe that's true. And when there are days when I'm thinking, Lord, I don't see any of that. I remember that night when I was weeping and I said, Father, you got to tell me the truth. The truth for you guys is that's who you are. And there's so much more there. Yeah. Whenever I'm up here, I try to find the better word, but I don't think there is one, so I'm going to stop. The better word comes from Christ. Just with your eyes closed, God, I, I thank you that there's truth. The truth is that you're here tonight. That you're not just in our boat, but God, you're actually calling us to be able to reside in that peace, to have peace from the swirl that's going on on the inside. 
So God, I, I thank you that you have a way, a way out, a way out of that swirl, a way to break its power over us, a way to break the lie, a way to break all this junk that we carry on our hearts, that insecurity. I thank you that you made a way. Christ, you made a way. You made a way. And all we have to do is give our heart to you. And you take it and you do amazing things. So if you felt like there's like, yeah, there's some stuff you need to repent of. Might be big, might be massive, might be monumental, might be deep stuff from your childhood, it might be stuff that you've been carrying for a long time. Listen, if you thought of it tonight and you go, well, I prayed about that before. Listen, if God put it on your mind tonight, deal with it. There's a reason you thought about it again. It's come up again. And if that's you, if, if you go, I, I just, I need to deal with this. Then I just, no one's looking around, eyes closed. I just want you to stand up where you're at. Just stand up and say, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to turn. I'm ready to look towards the cross and give him my heart. I can't do this anymore. And I tell you, as you stand, the anxiety is going to drop off of you. There's anxiety that's just going just gonna to stop. It's going to stop. We're just going to wait. Just start to ask the Lord, do I, do I need to repent? Is there something I need to repent of? And if that's you, just stand. This is between you and the Lord. going to wait. His presence is here. Jesus. 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 And where the liar lies even right now and says, well, if you stand, what will people think? That's a lie. We break the power of fear. We break the power of shame. We break the power of guilt. We break all that junk in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you need to stand, stand. Not on your own strength, but on His strength. us, everyone that's standing, to to repeat this after me. Jesus, tonight, I choose to repent. I choose to give you all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the things that are on my heart right now that aren't good. I give you the sin. I give you the shame. I give you the guilt. And all the other things. And I just want you to now, you fill in the blank. If there's things that you need to actually repent of. Say, God, I did this and I did that and I want to actually own it. Just start to list it towards him. Between you and him. But actually... Actually fill in that blank. What are the things you are repenting of? Not just, oh, I repent. No, what, what, what are the things that God showed you? And now just start to list that before the Lord. He hears you.
And then just say, God, is there any more? Is there any more things? Is there any more things that I need to get right with you? Anything I miss, God? God's healing some deep child things. I see abuse. I see um, father-mother things where a mother wasn't nurturing or a father wasn't there or, or some of that dynamic. I believe God is going deep right now into minds and hearts and he's dealing with some of that loss. And you lived your whole life trying to prove it. And I feel like it's, it's being broken and its power is being broken. So repeat this. So God, I receive right now your forgiveness. I receive your healing right now in my mind, in my heart, and in my body. Every sin, everything tonight that you've brought up, I believe you have taken it because you have all of my heart. And now I ask you, Holy Spirit, to heal every crack, every crevice of my heart and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now let's just raise our hands. If, if you're seated, stand, let's all stand in this place. God is here. His presence is here. Let's just raise our hands. Just start to worship the Lord. Start to praise Him. If, if you, you just, He's here. He's filling some of you fresh with the Holy Spirit. See, when repentance comes, what comes is a fresh wave of God. God comes and the Holy Spirit moves. And so right now, the Holy Spirit is in this place. We just, we receive it now, God. We receive it. We receive your love. We receive it right now. There's levels of love that you've not experienced before. God's just wait. There's waves of love coming that you didn't even know existed. There's waves of glory. There's waves of, of God. So God, we want more of you. God, we're hungry for more of you. God, we, we, we don't want to put limits on what you look like and what you do and what you don't do. God, we just want all of you. So we invite you into every area of our heart, every area of our life to fill us afresh, to fill us with your, your Holy Spirit, that in the storm we would be cushioned in the Holy Spirit. There would be peace, joy, love, and rest, security in you, a good Father. Yeah. Yeah, we worship you right now. Let's just worship the Lord where you're at. Sing a song. If God puts a song on your heart, start to sing that out. God, we love you. We're going to uh, we're going to open up the altars and. Uh, we're just going to, if the prayer team wants to come, and these are key people, we ask that uh, only our prayer team prays at the altars, and uh, that just helps us with knowing who's, who's praying. And, and so uh, if you need prayer, if you go, there's some stuff going on, but I need to go deeper. There's a prayer team that wants to pray and see complete breakthrough. But I just open the altars that if you just want to come and just press in more to him, there's the aisles, whatever. Let's just seek after the Lord tonight. He's here. I believe he wants to do something in this season that he's never done before in this city. I believe God's getting ready to move in an undeniable way. There's a shaking on the earth right now. There's all that. But I believe that there's a shaking that God wants to do. 
do. And there's a shaking in our hearts. And I believe something is going to ignite. There's a fire. See, what happens when there's a wind and we don't have a fire, it's really hard to start a fire. But when we have wind and we already have a fire and the wind starts to blow, the storm starts to blow, then that fire just spreads. And I believe God's getting ready for that fire to spread, to fan into flame in our lives. So if you're hungry for more, if you want that fresh touch, then you just come, just come, find a place. If you want prayer, come to this side and they'll know to pray for you. And if not, just come and let's just, let's just press into him tonight. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.